and welcome to the Strategic Finance Lab podcast, home of Neu Group interviews and insights about the future of finance and the office of the CFO. I'm Anthony Michaels, editor of Neu Group Insights. In this episode, you'll hear from a man who has created the treasury function at not one, but two companies. He's Chris Inglesby, currently the treasurer of National Veterinary Associates, or NVA, which he joined in October of 2021. NVA calls itself a community of 1,500 locally run veterinary clinics, hospitals, and pet resorts located in the U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore. The for-profit business is owned by the European private equity firm JAB Holding Company. NVA has a vastly different business model than the two tech companies where Chris started his career. And among the insights he shares with me is the need for incoming treasurers to know what they know and what they don't know and to surround themselves with people who complement their experience. Chris, who happens to run ultra marathons and likes to hang glide, spoke to me from his home office in the San Francisco Bay Area. Enjoy the show. Hey, Chris, welcome to the Strategic Finance Lab. We're so glad you're here today. Uh, Anthony, thanks so much for having me. So before we dive into how you started Treasury at two different companies from scratch, I thought I'd ask you to tell me a bit about your background and what prepared you to take on that challenge in the first place. How did you get your Treasury chops? My Treasury chops? Uh, Well, I worked for 14 years for a technology company called Autodesk to uh, computer-aided design software along with some other things. And really, you know, throughout that experience, I was very fortunate to kind of experience a variety of different treasury functions. So I started in domestic cash management, moved on to investing fixed income, then moved over to the international side and focused on currency hedging and, uh, and you know, an international focus. So, you know, really got a, a broad breadth of experience from, from that uh, that time, and did you have mentors in in that job or other positions that you know you've relied upon as you've gone forth and become treasurer? Yeah, you know, there's there's been a variety of people that I've I've looked to. Uh, certainly, my my former boss at Autodesk, you know, had uh, again kind of a a, a big broad spectrum of treasury experience, not only there, but from from other companies. And so certainly I would suggest, you know, for for people that are kind of foraying into a a new job, you know, definitely reach out to people. There's a lot of people willing to help out with, um, you know, their experiences and sharing what they've gone through, myself included. Right. So tell us about your first experience starting Treasury at Riverbed Technology. That's obviously a tech company. What did you find when you got there? It was a public company, I believe, when you arrived and you helped prepare it to go private. Yeah, well, at the time, you know, I started there in 2012, and and Riverbed was a a public company at the time. Uh, So you know, starting Treasury there um, was you know, kind of a unique experience in the fact that they already had their processes and procedures in place because they needed Sarbanes-Oxley controls to already be there. So um, it was really looking at, okay, I'm walking into something that, you know, does not have the the wheels falling off the bus. Um, So where can I add value? And 
you know, one of the things that I did notice as, as I came in is that, you know, treasury functions or the treasury tasks were kind of spread throughout the, the organization. So, you know, f uh, finance, FP&A had a, a certain function or a certain task. The controllership had certain tasks. So it was really kind of going out and figuring out, well, how do I define treasury? What is treasury going to be? And so it really started out with the basics, cash management. So go out there and 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 you know another thing Anthony that was was interesting is that I found that that some people when you came into the organization they were really happy to to have you there right they here I am so glad that you're taking this off my plate here you go blah um, whereas other people were a little bit um, hesitant right they 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 saw this as kind of part of their um, their job part of their DNA and so you know, you had to be a little bit politically savvy as to how to approach that. And, you know, the way that I looked at it was, you know, I'm here to help and I'm here, you know, I'm, you know, to be a, a consultant. And so maybe it wasn't something that, you know, you pulled away from them immediately, but you, you, you acted more as a partner there. And then once they got comfortable, you know, then you'd approach them and say, listen, it probably makes more sense, you know, if, if, if my team owns this. Mm. And so what, what did you do in terms of assembling a team? I mean, and, and what did you do with the team? Well, it, it started off, I, I did start off as, as a, you know, kind of a single person and what could I do there? And, and as you know, you know, many treasury tasks require dual custody, right? So uh, it meant that, you know, I needed to have a partner on the other side, but, you know, probably after six months, I, I did my, my first hire, um, which was, you know, someone I had known from, from a, a previous organization. And it really was kind of taking a look first at the low, low line fruit. And, and when I was at Riverbed, one of the things that um, was going on is that the Asia Pacific region had moved to a shared service model, and the incumbent bank that was doing the you know activities in the area um, was failing spectacularly at supporting that function. And so one of the first things that we did was an RFP um, for that business in, in Asia Pacific. And one of the things that we found as we started digging into it, and, and this is something that, again, is you, you find when Treasury isn't kind of a, already a, a part of an organization, is that um, bank fees were just outrageous. I, I I do I do have sometimes a, a flair for drama, and so when I found out what they were charging us, I basically told them, "Listen, you're taking you know food out of my kid's mouth. You know I'm pounded the table a little bit." Um, so so I think they knew that the the writing was on the wall. So um, we knew at that point that we were going to be finding you know not only from a service perspective but from the fee perspective that we were going to look for a different bank. So we went through that RFP process, brought in a more appropriate bank. It was a multinational bank that could you know service um, other regions as well um, and in doing so um, you know we saved the, the company a couple hundred thousand dollars so it was almost instant justification for you know bringing in the group and again this is one of the things you know as someone comes in you really need to take a look at you know what what are the things that you can kind of instantly add value? So so folks out there, look at your banking fees. If you can avoid going through a large RFP process, all the better. So sometimes it's just introducing yourself as the the new person in town, letting people know. Listen, I'm going to be looking at banking fees kind of first and foremost, and 
if you guys are overcharging us, you're going to be competing against a few other banks. So do yourselves a favor and sharpen your pencil ahead of this and make me happy that I'm with you right now. Any other big takeaways from your time at Riverbed, which was a substantial amount of time that it has served you in your current job, which you're celebrating about a year now, I think, at NBA? Yeah, just had my, my one-year anniversary. The interesting thing about Riverbed was it was a public company, and uh, it was taken private um, several years later um, through an LBO transaction um, with with a private equity firm. And you know the interesting aspect about well, there are a lot of interesting aspects about that, but um, the shift in priorities of being a public company for uh, and then going into kind of private company environment, and especially um, with um, you know substantively more leverage than than as a public company. Um, and one of the things that you find out is that priorities change, um, and certainly the biggest one is. Uh, you know, kind of cash forecasting as a, as a public company. And we did have leverage, but you know, it was about a turn and a half. Um, so, you know, very easy to manage. So, so really, you know, from that aspect and, and, you know, the company had kind of software type margins, right? So it was throwing off cash. So really cash forecasting, cash positioning um, was, was important, but it was probably a middle priority. Um, going when you're really cranking up the leverage um, in a public or in a private company environment, that cash forecasting comes to absolutely the number one priority. Not only knowing where your cash is, but knowing where your cash is and what it will be three, six, 12 months uh, in front of you. What else, though, made a private company experience in Treasury different than when it was public at Riverbed, at least? Um, you know, I, I guess in in addition to the you know, the cash forecasting, obviously managing you know substantively high leverage that that debt management becomes much more of a focus. Um, for me specifically as well, as we migrated from public company to private company, we still had a um, you know, kind of an investor relations aspect to the company. It just switched from your uh, equity holders to your debt holders. So the company still put out kind of quasi-public financials on a quarterly basis, and we had quarterly calls. So, you know, that was actually a, a, a great experience for me, being able to manage that function and uh, have that experience going on in a, a private company. So what did you find when you moved a year ago or so to NVA? What was the state of affairs? How did you decide what to do first? What did you bring from Riverbed that helped you proceed there? Yeah, well, well I, th I think probably one of the things that they liked about my Riverbed experience was having built a treasury from the ground up. And, you know, it was it was certainly a much different environment though and and i think that's probably one of the the things that i would highlight whereas you know riverbed it was a public company there were processes and controls in place uh with nva it had always been a private company and it had really started as a a small company um, and really in the last several years, again, under private equity ownership had really, really grown exponentially, right? We went from in, in a few, a few years, just from kind of, you know, the single billions of dollars, uh, to uh, a multi-billion dollar enterprise. So, um, and that was primarily through inorganic growth. 
Um, and since there really wasn't a treasury group per se, there was a, a you know kind of a couple of people that were doing treasury tasks, but not necessarily in a coordinated fashion. Um, one of the big differences in coming in was just the fact that it was a much different model. Um, having been in the technology vertical, I had only you know, been in a, an enterprise that had you know maybe close to 100 accounts. Um, NVA, even though it's pet healthcare, it really, from a treasury perspective, looks like a retail model where you have kind of these you know, individual stores, if you will. Um, some of the metrics that we use are same store growth, right? And um, what we, what I ended up coming into is, um, you know, a lot of bank accounts. Basically, at least one bank account per uh, site. And having gone in, the company really didn't have a single source of truth on the amount of bank accounts nor the amount of banks that they were doing business with so you know we thought it was about 1200 bank accounts with 120 banks what it ended up being is closer to 1700 bank accounts with 160 different banks so having a small treasury group you can imagine it's just you 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 can't have that amount of relationship um, and manage it effectively so what did you do and what are you do still doing? What, what have I done and what am I still doing? So we have a very large project to really take those 160 bank relationships and shrinking it down to a few handfuls. One of the things that I've done in addition, we have a, a large consulting firm that's kind of helping us with this venture, but we, you know, for, for the size company that we had become, we were just kind of grossly under-resourced. So it was a combination of trying to take these initiatives and moving forward and also doing um, some some aggressive hiring uh, for, for the treasury team. Um, again, given the size of the company, um, we had risk management and insurance that was part of our organization. It was being managed part-time by a treasury generalist. That you know, clearly was something for when it was a much smaller company. So that was actually the first hire was to get someone that really had good risk management experience that um, you know, was, was used to kind of a retail model. Um, again, something that I didn't have, right? I don't have that retail treasury experience. So um, what I've done with my hiring is really tried to surround myself with people that do have that experience. So again, kind of a, a, a learning point here is know what you know and know what you don't know and surround yourself with people that can complement your experience. Kind of getting back to the bank migration project that we have, you know, once we got a little bit of bandwidth internally and and again with the help from a large consulting firm, we've really taken on a large program to shrink the bank account structure, to migrate from physical bank accounts to you know virtual bank accounts, either via you know a ULID or or you know different banks call them by different names, to, to really shrink it to where we can actually manage it internally. So again, we're about halfway through this right now. We've had some success. It's required a tremendous amount of communication with the local sites. Um, you know, some of these sites have had their, you know, we call them the bank around the corners, right? These small regional banks. Um, they've had relationships with these uh, banks for a long time. So it's really trying to communicate well as to why we're doing this um, and and what benefit will, will come to it for them as well. 
Right. It sounds like the soft skills that you needed uh, and spoke about earlier about coming in and not just taking things away from people help you internally. But at this company as well, do you need to be able to have discussions with all these different retailers, if you will, uh, to help them come along? How difficult is that? Um you know, again, it comes to hiring the right people, Anthony. And again, I was very fortunate to have some people um, join the the treasury team here that do have really solid, um, you know, communication skills. Um, because it it does. You you don't want to be kind of the the voice from above that just makes these, uh, you know. Uh, decisions in a silo. You have to have buy-in, um, otherwise it can it can really backfire on you. So we really have we we spent months actually um, creating a communication plan um, to get buy-in. Firstly, from the field operations team, the senior management there, and then slowly rolling it down to the division leaders, and then ultimately communicating to the sites themselves. I mean, this idea of partnering with the business is one that we talk about a lot at Noy Group and on this podcast is a way to help show Treasury's strategic value, not just the blocking and tackling, which you've obviously had to do and are probably still doing. But how do you balance getting through the blocking and tackling, but also look a little farther down the line for longer term uh, strategic value? Oh, you know, that that's a great question, Anthony. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to, you know, when, when I entered and again, we were, we were under-resourced and there was so much blocking and tackling to do because we just didn't have good processes and procedures in place and we didn't have the resource to handle it. Um, so part of it was just getting people in the door. And once you have that, it makes it easier to move these initiatives forward. Um, and once you get these initiatives moving forward, what you find out is that there's less blocking and tackling required. So it really is a balance of you have to keep, you know, the wheels on the bus, so to speak. You have to keep processing moving until you get the benefit of what you're improving. And again, for us, it's bank account migration. We're also at the same time layering a treasury technology. So we're implementing a treasury management system as well. Um, because as you can imagine, having that amount of bank accounts um, makes it a real challenge to cash position. And quite frankly, it was, you know, we were doing it, um, you know, more as a forecasting exercise rather than, you know, being able to have actual balances. We you know, Obviously, at the end of each uh, accounting period, we were able to do it. But, you know, with the treasury technology that we're putting in place, we're actually being able to ha have an actual daily cash position. Again, very important for a company that's a private company where you have private equity firms, which really wants to know your cash position and where the cash is located. And if I'm correct, one of the other projects that are more long-term, I suppose, is that you're trying to be self-funding. Tell us a little bit about that. Right. Well, the, the, the company really in the last couple of years has grown primarily inorganically um, with a tremendous amount of, of acquisition. Um, we will still be acquiring companies, but probably um, at a less substantive pace. And so along with that, we're really focusing on same store growth, um, getting economies of scale, 
and and becoming a self-funding model. Um, and so with that, obviously, cash management and cash forecasting becomes paramount, right? So really all of these initiatives that we're doing right now, the bank account migration, uh, the treasury technology that we're layering on, and the visibility that will give us to um, you know improve our liquidity and improve our cash forecasting is really, really important as we move towards a more self-funded model. And and how much will having a TMS, if I'm right, you're getting a treasury management system, help you in this forecasting? Because we talk a lot as well about cash forecasting and how difficult it is and how certain TMS are better than others. Or now we've got AI and ML and other things that are out there on the market. What are you, uh, what are you hoping to get and from what technology? Um, so, so for us, it really was starting with the building blocks, right? I mean, we really, you know, I, I you know, sometimes euphemistically refer to us as the 25-year-old startup because we really were managing things exclusively on spreadsheets. And, you know, again, when you have the amount of banks and the amount of bank accounts that we were dealing with, it just, it, it was beyond a challenge. So, you know, being able to layer on a treasury management system where substantively all of your banks are reporting in and there, therefore, you know, not only are you able to see, you know, how much cash you have, but but where it is um, on a daily basis, and then you know focusing on that and seeing from that, okay, well we can improve our liquidity um, by migrating cash, you know, on a daily basis, you know, more centrally. Um, that's kind of the first step, and then being able to layer in, and and this is going to be down the road for us but information that we'll be getting from our ERP on, you know, kind of the payments that you have coming up and, uh, you know, the amount of receipts coming in, you'll be able to do some, you know, historical regression on that um, to, to tighten things up from a forecasting perspective. And, and how big is your team now, Chris, from when you started and how big do you see it getting? Yeah, so we, we started with um, four people, not including myself. Uh, we're currently up to 11 people. Again, in addition to kind of your traditional treasury operations, we do have risk management and insurance. And, you know, and that is an important part of, uh, of the company. It's, uh, you know, with having, you know, at this point, we have over 1,500 sites uh, globally. Um, so you can imagine, um, you know, mitigating things through, you know, for example, workers' compensation, right? We have, you know, we're, we're basically miniature hospitals here, right? That That is a, an important piece. And of course, you know, uh, the, you know, liability insurance and, and all of that. So again, having a, a good, solid team there and technology that goes in with it as well. So Chris, if you had to sit back and take stock of what you learned through these two experiences, one of them, obviously, you're still in the midst of, of starting Treasury from scratch. What are three or four things or however many you want you would counsel people? And maybe some of them we've touched on already, but just to put it uh, in, a, in a clear form, what, what do you think you need to know or expect? So tying it up in a neat little bow, right? So probably, you know, anyone going into a similar experience, look around. What are the most important things to address first? Um, look for the low-lying fruit, too. You want to prove your worth coming in. And I guarantee you, if there hasn't been a treasury function before you, you will find things that you will be able to instantly be accretive to. 
and make sure that again you understand you know how you're being per perceived coming in there um, are people happy to see you are do they consider you a threat and and having those soft skills to be able to know you know how to approach the different groups that you know, you will eventually you know maybe be consulting with initially but then you know kind of helping them you know pull these uh, different treasury functions into your own team chris um one my last question is i know that you are an ultra marathoner and have done 50ks and 100k races and i'm wondering if the kind of endurance that you have to have obviously for that kind of competition uh translates in any way to what you do in your day job. Oh, what a beautiful metaphor, Anthony. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, w without question, you know, no matter you know, when you're building a treasury function, no matter what the environment, um, it is absolutely a marathon versus a sprint. Um, you want to be able to, again, kind of what I was just talking about, be able to find some things that, you know, determine your worth and you know again having those those quick wins but also this is a long-term strategic plan if i take a look at the time from you know that i've had with nva thus far it really is first you know creating the building blocks there once you create the building blocks then you get to do a little bit more of the fun stuff really which is to you know have treasury become a strategic partner um I have a team that wants to build a best in class treasury function. And that's when you really get to add value to the team. Um, and, and you, you become a known and, and trusted partner within the enterprise. Thank you so much, Chris. This has been fantastic. Uh, I've really enjoyed the, my time here, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you. Hope to talk to you soon. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Neugroup's strategic finance lab podcast. Please join us next time for more insights about the future of finance in the office of the CFO. I'm Anthony Michaels, editor of Neugroup Insights.